Pull the dust off your old games. Ready your light gun and press start on your controller as your hosts Alan Price and Chris Vint load up and deploy Operation Retroshock. everybody and welcome to the fourth edition of Operation Retroshock. I am Alan Price, as always, alongside Chris Vint. Oh, I thought I was going to get to introduce myself, yeah. but now you just decided to do... Oh, that's just no, great. No, I, I, I get to take the lead in this. That's great, thanks very much. <laughs> thanks very much for letting me be here on a be part of your podcast. Yeah, my podcast, mm. mine, all mine, <laughs> Okay, um, okay, I'll I'll hit stop now and just leave. <laughs> please just leave the room, I'll do it myself. Okay. Please, please, don't, don't, don't go. <laughs> anyway, enough joking aside of that. Um, we're going to try and, well, go along another wee special route, aren't we, this week? Yep. Well, this month even. This month, yes. Uh, last month we decided to go the wrestling route with WrestleMania coming out. Um, today we decided uh, might as well be fun to try and do a gaming side of it. So, let us be an Operation Retro Shock. There's four retro games here that still kind of hang around today. Um, maybe characters who still hang around today, one form or another. Um, but yeah, it's just a case of us going through the games, what we remember playing, you know, if it was a Super Nintendo game, or an N64 game, or a Mega Drive game, or a Master System game. And on, and on, yeah, and on. Or original <laughs> Nintendo game. But uh, I may as well explain what areas we're going to cover. Our first game that we're going to look back on fondly will be Pokemon Red and Blue the legendary series mm-hmm. of games still kicking it today as Chris said then Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System that was one that we were meant to cover in episode 2 but never got around to yeah, it so um, we, we're getting around to it now better late than ever so. apologies for that but <laughs> you know we're here we're going to do it now anyway um, the third game on the show is going to be a very widely acclaimed game which is Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I thought you were talking about Splatterhouse or Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. <laughs> On the Master System for the poor kids. <laughs> 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 Had to slip that in. Um, but then our final game that will be covered in this show is a game that um, revolutionised I would say a lot of people's thoughts on gaming and that would be Goldeneye on the N64. Yeah. But uh, may as well get to this straight away, no messing about. So after the break we'll come back with uh, Pokemon Red and Blue. See you after the break. Hey guys, you're listening to Operation Retroshock with Alan Price and Chris Vint. And this is your one-stop spot for everything retro, baby. You name it, they cover it. I'm Rob Bates from Not Mitten Box and Comic Nation TV, and we're a part of a little family called the Pop Culture Network. 
As you heard, some Pokemon theme music bringing us into the segment. You gotta love Pokemon, Chris. Yeah, you do. I love the music and I love the games. The cartoons. Uh, Freaky. <laughs> the cartoons maybe at the start whenever they first was released, but now it's just getting a bit ridiculous. But it's far, far too drawn out but, nowadays. Yeah, but like everything, you know, it seems to, you know, like that Bakugan or whatever it's called, and Yu Gi Oh! and Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball just baffles me. Blew your mind. <laughs> yeah, but that's the Japanese for you. Uh, they obviously know how to market stuff because obviously the Pokemon games were released almost a, de- a decade ago and you know they're still hanging around today with the latest ones being the Soul Silver and Heart Gold which only came out in the UK a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. Well, that was kind of the inspiration for us to uh, bring Pokemon onto the show and you know, mention the original games. Yep, so here we have Pikachu beside me bringing Pokemon on the show. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Well, why didn't you tell me? This is lovely, I like the Pikachu. Yeah, it's shocking, I could almost <laughs> say. That's awful fun, <laughs> awful fun. But anyway, we'll get started with uh, our wee points we have set out and what we're going to cover with Pokemon. As Chris said, um, Pokemon's been around pretty much over just over 10 years now in the UK. It was released in 96 in Japan, but got here in 99. Um, same for the US. But uh, So Chris, what was your first experience with Pokemon? My first experience, this will be totally different from yours, I would imagine. Sure it will, but considering the age gap, but we won't, we won't jump on the age gap, Grandpa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh he's going to hit me. I am going to leave now. <laughs> My first experience was working um, in a game shop. Um, it was just like a... You know, like it was a franchise that was just in the UK, but it wasn't as big as like Game or um, GameStop or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I remember working in the Belfast store and we were getting uh, copies of this game in Pokemon yeah. Red and Pokemon Blue. We had no idea what we what they what were. were in store for? These were the American versions, from what I know of. They could have been the PAL ones. I, I can't. I was a bit hazy. But I just remember all the um, like the Japanese or the Chinese people coming in and actually mm-hmm. buying them. So obviously we knew that we were on to something. But only it was only after that, um, you say, a good couple of months to a year, that um, we really saw like the boom of it with the cartoon, with the trading cards. Obviously, um, the red and the blue were so successful that we got the yellow, which was really just basically the same game, but with Pikachu walking alongside you like in the cartoon nice money spinner yeah exactly um but that was that was my first experience was looking at it and saying send them a colleagues why are people buying this what is this and every time you would go to buy one we would sell straight out and we would have to wait a couple of days to get more in but it was so popular it was just such such a, a weird game to look at until you actually played it because you didn't have a clue what it was yeah. what about yours for me obviously as I said a bit of an age difference so I wasn't in the working capacity at this stage and you were still three out. weren't you I wasn't three ok four then ok I was probably what was it I was probably just turned the train. turned or turning ten oh. so I was kind of the key market that the Pokemon people were trying to get at you know the sort of Gullible. age we were getting to where you didn't, you didn't know what 
spend your money on. Yeah. Or to spend saying. what your parents' money on more than Well, yes, yeah. that, that's... Uh, damn it. That out. <laughs> but uh, anyway, surprisingly though, my experience is similar in the sense of I found out about it by just walking into a game store. So did and just seeing... Having, I'd originally seen the show, obviously, on TV, but going into the store, I'd never knew there was a game coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I just walked in and saw the what was it? it was the red box with the Charizard on it and the blue box with Blastoise on it and just thinking whoa I must get this now running out of the store dad sling your hook get in here uh, I want these now please and I'm trying to remember was did I get did I buy the both of them or did I buy one of them I think I maybe bought red first and then got blue down the line but it was just the mad rush and the amount of kids in the store because they would have like the wee stand up yeah. with the Game Boy you still get it nowadays with DS's or anything like that but just this queue a mile long just waiting to have a go at it mm-hmm. and then but you'd be starting a new game every time yeah that's, that's true but uh, my experience was more from a kid's front so uh, I was more like I want I want I want let's play this see what it is so bit more childish than yours. I just wanted to I just wanted to buy one and pick it up to see what all the fuss yeah. was about. You know the way like nowadays you would hear like with um not to go off topic too much, but say with like Dragon Age, I hadn't heard a big I hadn't heard much about it, I but it's uh, it sold really well, so I picked it up to see what it was like. Same way I did with Pokemon. Um mm-hmm. but we'll get into that later on. Yeah. But um anyway, we may as well kick it to what Pokemon was your first Pokemon? Out of the three, what was it? It was Bulbasaur, Charmander, or Squirtle? Uh, I would have picked Charmander, because I wanted him to evolve into Charizard. Although, the one I, I still have, one of the blue ones, and whenever I put it up the other day, um, I think Blastoise, you know, Squirtle was my first choice, mm-hmm. so... Um, it just really depended, obviously, with the newer ones. I don't have a clue who they are. It's still the same premise, water, fire, leaf. Whereas, you know, then it was, you know, you knew who they were from yeah. the cartoon or whatever. So There were still very basic elements back in the original ones, so there wasn't as many as... Yeah, but the characters seemed to appeal to you. The Pokemon seemed to appeal to you more. more, to me, nowadays, you know, I still like playing the newer ones, but... I just find it a lot more original back then. Yeah, but whenever you, if you're playing the newer ones, you go into the grass and then a battle mm-hmm. comes up, but you hope it's one that you know, like a yeah. Pidgeotto yeah. or whatever. Um, for me, uh, it was Bulbasaur, so it was, and uh, it's weird because any opportunity I've ever got since the first time I played the game, I've always then followed up with, you know, getting Charmander. Mm-hmm don't know why I just liked Bulbasaur it was probably again from my experience with the cartoon because I liked the way it was I remember back in the anime that uh, Bulbasaur had a bit of an attitude and all that sort of stuff and boss everybody else around so I was like oh, I'll have that plus if my memory serves me correct he was the quickest one to evolve to his final form so that probably was maybe something else that's one of that an Alan Price tree factor an Alan Price that was, just an, that was just an Alan Price <laughs> random just mentioning of the <laughs> past but so I was Bulbasaur and uh, of course which was the grass one so it was a lot of fun I always loved the whole razor leaf yeah thing yeah but uh, most memorable battle 
Oh, for me, it would have to be Snorlax. <laughs> that was such a nightmare to do because you had, uh, from what I remember, you had a flute to wake him up, and then whenever uh, you woke him up, you had to get him down a certain. And then there was only. I remember as well. Chance. I remember as well that there was apparently an inverted commas a cheat, whereas if you threw a pokeball, you pressed down an A. I remember this. You pressed down an A, and it would capture them it's faster. So I was throwing <laughs> balls. He was going down an A. It's just like, oh, it works. But I remember using like my great ball or like an ultra ball uh-huh. or whatever to get him. But I was really happy I got him. But I don't think I've I never used. I don't think I used him. But I think it was good to have in your party because if your other ones got wiped out, uh, he was one. Have. You know, like I would put him first and then make them go to sleep and then rotate them. You know, so that yeah, way, yeah. you know, like he would get some experience points, uh, experience points, and then somebody else would as uh-huh. well. But that would be my most memorable one. Would be to um, get that. Also remember, um, I think I can't remember if it was the red and blue one or if it was the fire red and leaf green. Uh-huh. But I remember going through, you know, like um, obviously with the internet now, you can look up and you could see where certain Pokemon are, you know, yeah, like yeah. where Pikachu is, and just remember, look, circling around the grass for ages trying to find a Pikachu. Yeah, and then was, eventually, yeah, and eventually find one. But it's more annoying whenever you find them and you get them to within, you know. Within uh, throwing a ball to catch them, mm-hmm. and then you act- you hit like claw or you hit um, attack, and you, mm-hmm. they attack them, and then the, the faint, and you're them. like, oh, I have to go and look for him again, and spend half an hour finding that again. Yeah, exactly. I because I remember that that was the f- that was one of the first thing everybody tried to do in the original ones was I must find a Pikachu now. Yeah, which I suppose explains then why they eventually re- you know released yellow. Yeah, then everybody just could have one. But uh, for me, some of the memorable battles were, um, I was always a big fan of the legendaries, so I was, and I loved the whole um, <coughs> legendary birds. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, was Zapdos one of those Zapdos, birds? Yeah. Okay. Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno, I'm really sad. <laughs> My memory from being... That is an Alan Price <laughs> tree flag. <laughs> <laughs> My... Mind is completely brainwashed from a child, so I remember at least all the original ones. Well, here, what are you surrounded with? <laughs> well, yeah, but um, the whole hassle, a lot like you said with Snorlax, the whole idea of you only really have one chance to get this. Of course, everybody would save their game before the battle. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. But uh, the whole hassle of like you have them down with just the smallest smidge of health left. And you're just throwing ball after ball after ball, trying to capture it and just keep bursting out after yeah. the first throw. And then it's like, like Snorlax uses full restore or you know <laughs> revive or whatever, and you're like, oh no, don't be using that. But uh, then I think it was, I think the joy I had, especially at that age, just when you finally beat the Elite Four, was yeah. kind of fun because mm-hmm. you kind of were like. Oh yeah, I've completed it, and then you realise oh, what do you do now? But then there's the whole you have to catch them all sort of thing. Yeah. There's, it's one thing I'll always remember is just like oh, I don't it, know. Being like I have to go and get a hundred more. I don't know whether they've upped it or whatever, but I I I did complete the the red and uh-huh. blue one, you know, whatever one I got. But the fire red and leaf green, I got the final four, but I would only get like halfway there, and mm-hmm. then I wouldn't get any further. And with um, the diamond and pearl, mm-hmm. I thought that was quite hard to do as well. 
Yeah, so I, I thought it was a lot easier then than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but with me being more seasoned gamer, you think I would be able to pick stuff up, but... Yeah, no good. No, no good. No, I mustn't be any good at it, man. <laughs> but uh, I'll move on now to something that was very memorable for me, and that is trading your Pokemon. I remember um, there's a place close to us, um, up the top of the town um, where we live, where well, I live anyway, and I is remember. This yeah, I yeah. remember going up every Saturday. Uh, well, I, not personally speaking, I would say I was in town the Saturday. I would go up, but yeah. then there would be lots of kids there with their Pokemon cards and their Game Boys trading. You were one of them. I was one of them. Oh I'm, my oh, goodness I gracious! I, I please, be- I beg for forgiveness. <laughs> the only trades I did was there was a guy I used to hang around with. Um, who would play uh, again? It was Sapphire Red and the um, Leaf Green, so we would trade Pokemon. Uh, obviously, with the internet being the way it is now, you can actually trade your Pokemon online. So the Wi-Fi. you know, so people would say, "I will trade you my Mr. Mime for a Farfetch'd or whatever," yeah. but it has to be of a certain level. It has to be a certain that. level for you to meet the requirements. My, my opinion is so that kind of takes away the fun of it a wee bit. I know you can trade them with someone say in Japan or somewhere else. In the yeah world. but then you hear Pokemon's being uh, going to be called you know something with labels that you don't understand. Uh-huh. So it's going to be Japanese writing Aye. that you don't understand the same way they may not understand if you call yours you know if you call your Pikachu you know Percy or something like that. <laughs> Percy to Pikachu. Yeah. But yeah you're right. Um Another thing I always remember with trading was the whole um, having to trade the likes of your hunter or something like that to get it to evolve. Oh, like Gengar? And yeah, in the Gengar. And I remember the hassle of that once. One of my friends wanted to keep it. <laughs> and I nearly tore him apart. <laughs> you will give it back! <laughs> that sort of stuff. And it was, I think that was kind of... Especially with the trading card game, I thought... That was the reputation that got, I know, definitely here and I'm sure around the world in a lot of places was the amount of arguments and fights that went over, especially the cards. Yeah. Because I remember when I was still in primary school or elementary school in the US that um, they got banned in my final year simply because of that fact. Mm -hmm. Um, But also another thing I remember was, do you remember the trading cheat? Where that you would trade your Pokemon to your friend and just before it said save you turned your Game Boy off mm-hmm. and it meant the Pokemon stayed on your cartridge but also transferred their cartridge alright so you you would have the Pokemon and they would have the Pokemon but speaking of this this backfired on me one time <laughs> and I kid you not I had got all 250 Pokemon and I turned my cartridge back on one time and just says game is corrupt must start a new game and I just I, <gasps> I, I and I will admit this I bawled my eyes out <laughs> I was absolutely it was just one of those sheer no moments it's just like why why has this happened to me and that's, that was the sad thing that I find with um, Pokemon games sometimes if you've played it and go to play it again is it's never the same the second time round. You know, you play it the first time, it means something. Yeah. But then when you realise, well, I've collected it all, and then you're just like, but I'm doing this because I f***ed up. <laughs> Bleep that. Yeah. <laughs> I messed up. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, after the few years of uh, Red and Blue, Pokemon Stadium arrived. Yeah. On the N64. 
Yeah, I still have it there. Um, I should have really dug it out. I really like the fact that you had the Game Boy thing that you could plug into the N64 controller. Yeah, the and then instead of just picking, because I think it was Pokemon Coliseum for the GameCube, yeah. that you had to pick all the Pokemon that I've never heard of before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there you could use the Pokemon that you'd leveled up and they've got a certain level or whatever and then you could put them on so you could have you know your squirtle against somebody's charizard or whatever mm-hmm. the case would be but i remember having so much fun with that and just playing i remember taking it to that guy's house and there was like three or four of us yeah. and we were just sitting there playing it for ages but it was such good fun and you would get so competitive as yeah well. and also speaking going back on what was said about the trading the trading thing um, obviously with Pokemon Coliseum came the Pokemon box mm-hmm. which sole purpose was to save your Pokemon onto <laughs> that was it that was uh, for me that was the most stupidest idea ever you yeah. have a you have loads of boxes on your your Game Boy cartridge you're not going to move it onto there and then go oh I need to get that Pokemon on whenever you're so far into the game that you have to boot up your GameCube to hook that up to then put that across yeah. it's pointless to- but I always remember I used to go to your friends it was probably, I think it was, like I said, about going to replay on the Saturday for the game. I think I would go back to his house in the afternoon, and we would put Stadium on and put both our Pokemon onto it and battle away and completely just, you'd be screaming at the screen sometimes, because I think, and you've seen it in the adverts for, at the minute, Soul Silver and Heart Gold, <clears throat> that um, you had kind of a connection with it because you you thought or felt you raised it. Yeah, it's because it's your own Pokemon, so that's why, you know, you took an invested interest in it. Yeah. But um, we'll move on now to uh, just think about, we're now more than a couple of versions on, or a couple of generations. Is yeah. They like to say, um, what's our favourite ones across the years then? Well, I haven't really, I haven't, uh, you bought... Heart Gold or Soul Silver or whatever one yeah. you bought. I haven't bought or played them. So Pokemon Diamond I really liked, um, and obviously the one on the Game Boy Advance, the Heart Gold, uh, the sorry, the the Ruby. Ru- uh, no, not the Ruby. The Fire Green and the uh, uh, yeah. the Fire Red and the Leaf Green. Mm-hmm. I never really played the Ruby one. Uh, I know there was another version. There was like a green one. I can't. Uh, an Emerald. Emerald. I never yeah. played that. So I would probably say mine would be Fire Red, flo- followed closely by the very original one because obviously that's what got me hooked. Yeah. It, it's, um, I've never been. Obviously, lots of people play like the Zelda games and all that stuff. <laughs> you know, like say um, the Super Nintendo version or the Ocarina of Time and that kind of stuff. But I thought it was very similar to that. Yeah. But uh, I just like the fact of le- that was the first probably the first game I played of leveling your characters up. I'd never been really a fan of Final Fantasy so yeah. uh, I was really you know not that well adverse with all the HP bars and you know <laughs> um, like the John Cena's of this world you know we can't learn more than four moves <laughs> I uh, knew you would have yeah, to get that of in. course yeah um, for me like I've said I'm the hell of a pretty much a Pokemon junkie across the years and I've when I got to the stage of where I should have probably kind of progressed I would continue to buy the games for the heck of it because I thought you know I've played this many, let's play the new one. And I would keep going. Like you say, I prefer the likes of the original ones, because that's where the fonder memories are, of course. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but for me, the one that stands out, and I think it's the 
one of the main reasons why I got the new Soul Silver one is that when the original Silver and Gold came out, that was when Pokemon was really hitting its heights over here and when I really was really, really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the Silver and Gold are the ones that sound out for me because I thought the likes of the Ruby, the Sapphire, bit of a letdown, it was kind of a trough because it was getting to that stage now where it was really ridiculous yeah. with the amount of Pokemon you were getting. And now the whole thing about, oh, well, they're legendary Pokemon. What, how many legendary Pokemon do I have now? About 30. <laughs> you know, come on, they're not that legendary. You can't hide 30 Pokemon in a world that are legendary. But besides that, um, like you say, it was nice to see them re-release the likes of the red with the fire red. Yeah. And again, now with Soul Silver and Silver, because it allows us... I think it's tapping into the market, obviously the new market with the younger kids now coming up, but also Nintendo realised that the older fans will yeah, but play them. They need to they need to stick to that format because for me the Pokemon Rangers can't just, and the, can't just go random now. Yeah, the Pokemon Rangers colors. and the Pokemon uh, Dungeons uh, they never appealed to nah, me because it, it didn't have the same. Uh, quality that the, the original Pokemon's mm-hmm. have. Obviously, you have the likes to say Pokemon Snap, which was totally different. It was you like? It was, I thought you know back in the day it was pretty good. Yeah, it was like that. You know, we photograph it, and then you have um, the Pokemon one on the uh, Wii, which is just essentially the uh, Pokemon Coliseum, but it's just level up the Pokemon Battle Revolutions. What it's called? Just have to think of it. There was a wee bit of a letdown, so it was. Yeah, but again, all the I mean, if they were to release that. On a main platform, yeah, I think that'd be. A, I think a that's. Runner. I think that's what everybody's <coughs> who's been a Pokemon fan across the years has been yearning for. You know, Stadium and Coliseum and all went so far, and that you can have your battles. And there's in some of them, especially the original Stadium bits of stories where you can battle through the gyms and that. But everybody saw just the hints and glimpses of it on the GameCube, with you know just what the potential could be for a full-blown story. But it's just a case of Nintendo wanting to, whether they want to put the effort in or not. Yeah, exactly. But um, we mentioned this a wee bit earlier, but we'll kind of expand on it a wee bit now because Chris has sitting beside him a whole folder filled of them, and that is the trading cards. Yeah, I've had these <laughs> for many a year, so... Nice and protected in their little sleeve. Yeah, it's not something that I've... It's something that I find out in the garage that I must have had many, many moons ago, you know, so... Uh, I have a couple of shinies, like Charizard yeah, shinies. and Yeah, that is actually worth money now. Uh, well, if uh, anyone wants to buy it off me, the right price they can do. Or um, I'll just steal it. Yeah, but there's, <laughs> yeah, okay. Or just uh, a tra- a trade your dog or something for it then. Um, I'll trade Growlithe. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, yeah, just uh, in America, I think it was where somebody was trading their new be- newborn sister for a yeah. Pokemon card, and the desperation of some people. Yeah, obviously we've had That's a lot. How mad it went. Obviously, we've had a lot of you know. You used to see kids out in this, you know, in the playground with the stickers, mm-hmm. you know, and they would go, oh, "God, God, oh, I need that one." But mm-hmm. I think the Pokemon one really elevated it, and mm-hmm. it, as, as you said, it turned ridiculous at the school the schoolyard for banning it. They were banning the Pokemon games as well because people were weren't trading the right things or whatever. But it comes to something whenever they're 
you know, it's something, it's something that's so ridiculous that it's mm-hmm. it just got blown out of all proportion because yeah. it's happened once, you know, and the kids are trading cards and then they're arguing with it, and it's. Just, oh. <laughs> um, I always remember with the trading cards, like I mentioned about the whole, you know, getting banned in school and all. I always remember me and a couple of friends would go down to the town centre where I live and go into a store that was kind of the main store for Pokemon because they just have it, you know, shelves completely lined with the cards. And it was just one day we were randomly in it and we would go up and say, say with like a six pounds of pocket money or something like that, go in and say buy two or three packets of the cards. And... I can't remember why the individual was there or not. It was a reporter from the local newspaper spotted me and my friends buying these cards, and it was probably a case of he saw us spend about total together probably about thirty quid in Pokemon cards. Oh. It was just like I know, I know. <laughs> but he saw us buying all these Pokemon cards, and he just said, "This guys, would you just hang on a second And he pulled us aside and he says, "Would you just mind talking to us and all that sort of stuff about?" for an article for the newspaper about Pokemon and the next week we had our photo and flipping an article in the newspaper about Pokemon simply because it was that stage yeah. and surprisingly enough the article was connected to my local school banning them yeah. sort of thing as well so it was all rolled into one sort of thing and I was thinking I was just that serious like, I'm going to be in the newspaper because of Pokemon yeah. <laughs> I think it was I think it was one of the jobs I had where there was an email or a voicemail that was going around that somebody had said basically said Pokemon cards are a pound a packet mm-hmm. so somebody had sold a box of Pokemon cards for a pound oh so somebody, somebody had a field day somebody right had there. a field there they field day there alright yeah but um, yeah um, somebody was a happy bunny anyway yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but um, we'll now mention was again we kind of you can't not mention it earlier and not allude to it. It was the cartoon slash anime. Yeah, I thought it was good. obviously the it's original. Very, yeah, obviously it's very wacky the way they move their mouths and stuff. And people, yeah, people could say it. You know, it's cruelly drawn, which is fine because. But that's the Japanese yes, style. Japanese you know, style. if you're to look at Dragon Ball, if you're to look at you know, say just Street just Fighter, at, just look at anything. Japanese. Yeah, if you look at anything, even the Masters of the Universe, the 2002 show, had a hint of anime with the backgrounds yeah. all moving around and that kind of stuff. But it's people. People don't realize how much Japanese anime or cartoons actually influence you know our culture, be it UK or America, because that's where Power Rangers came from as well. Mm-hmm. You know that. Something even wrestling characters have been brought out of Japanese cartoon shows, like of um, Tiger Mask, all that. Kinda. So yeah, Karyman, your favourite. <laughs> but it just shows you where how popular they can become, and how wacky yeah. the Japanese can make it happen. Obviously, the cartoons that aired over here and in America compared to Japan were a lot different. And the yeah. stories I've heard are quite was the crazy. Japane- was it the Japanese one that had people having seizures or something? Yeah, yeah, it was the Japanese one has always been a wee bit more adult mm-hmm. than the ones over here um, because there was the seizures in an episode with um, just think the episode of The Simpsons where they're in Japan yeah. and mm-hmm. just the flashing lights. Yeah. Again, 
Japan. Exactly. So shows that. And then there's the episode where supposedly, what was it, James of Team Rocket had grown a pair of uh, female. <laughs> yeah, I won't. I, I won't go any further. I'll try my best. I'm trying my best not to say it, so we can stay PG. Um, but the likes of that sort of stuff, and then ten-year-old girls running around in bikinis. It's just sort of thing, and how they could stop this from still being a cartoon show in America. It's just a completely different dub yeah. for us than Japan, um, which, to be honest, is far better because it's a, it would just completely freak you out if there was like adult conversations going on in a cartoon. But, um, <laughs> but it was the original series was, which obviously accompanied the likes of the Red and the Blue. Yeah, was the one that everybody was watching around the same time, and um, all the original characters, because even your dog's named after yeah, one exactly, of the characters. Yeah. But then again, I was working in a video shop where we got the Pokemon videos in. A lot of people were coming in hiring them out. You know, like it was because as soon as it comes in, it goes out again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my dog is named Misty after Misty because Mother wouldn't take any other na- any name, and I was just sitting there and just racking my brain, names. and then just for some reason Misty from Pokemon popped in, and that's the reason why my dog is named what it's named. The influence of Pokemon naming exactly. dogs yeah. after it. No, I didn't after. throw a ball at it to try and catch it or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dog dies via Pokeball. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll round up this. Before we do. Oh, right, sure, fair enough. Name right. your top three without your starter Pokemon, your top oh, three Pokemon. Oh, no, don't do this to yeah. me. Can it be legendary Pokemon included? It could be any apart from the three that you, you start okay. off with. Um, I'll probably stick with the original 150. I'll go for uh, <laughs> this is this is thinking now. I liked um, Primeape. Okay. Which was the evolved form of Mikey, the kind of the fighting monkey thing. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I liked Zapdos as well. So did and. Um, Final one have to be C. Now you see, see, this is what happens to me when I get put in the spot. And your probably, brain just I'm, freezes. Yeah, the brain just freezes. Yeah. I liked also um, what do we call it? Gollum. Oh, was that the evolved thing of Geodude? The, yeah, the final form of Geodude. He was pretty neat. But there's, you know, I liked quite a few. It's pretty hard to round it down to three. But what about yourself? Um, I says he see he gets the help to look through his no 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 I I picked two I haven't picked my third one Um, mine would probably be Marowak I really liked Marowak is pretty Marowak um, that was only because he had his big boom boomerang who's the one flip Marowak was one of them Um, oh I've forgotten now I had (laughs) two of them named (laughs) describe them and I'll try and name them no I had it here See, Chris, you shouldn't uh, have thought of this part of the Oh, thing. Haunter was Haunter. what the other one was, and the other one would have been um, Gyarados. Gyarados? Very yeah. nice, very nice. The big blue monster from the sea. Yeah, well, they go from that, from flipping... Um, a wee fish, just. Yeah, Magic Carp, who Magic just Carp. went flapped around. Carp, doing Carp. <laughs> yeah, reminds me of someone. Somebody <laughs> is flapping around doing nothing. No, and it isn't me, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know. Uh, at least I hope it isn't. Yes, as you. <laughs> anyway, we'll round it off. Um, yeah, what's so. Who was, was one of your favourite ones again? 
Uh, Prime Ape? Prime Ape, yes. Okay. No. That's, that's okay, I can see a trend going here, but carry on. Why? Why? Uh, we'll get into that. No, 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 we'll do that, now we'll get into it. Oh, jeez, whatever, what does he have planned? Outstanding memory from Pokemon, just for me mainly the lasting legacy that it has and the ongoing, just sheer money making conglomerate. Yeah, I think it was just a case of not knowing what it was to then knowing what it was and then just having the fun times of trading with people and having different battles and that kind of thing. It was a different kind of game. Um, it kind of defined role playing at the times. Yeah, I defined role playing. Inspired a lot of role playing. Games. It defined ro- it defined role playing games for a younger audience because the likes of the Final Fantasy and all that kind of things were mainly only played by, say, the teenagers. Where this would be, this could near enough be played by anyone. I mean, there's a um, uh, like a grand who comes in our place and says that she's got more Pokemon than a grandson has. Yeah, you know, so it can be played by all ages. And, yeah, you know, it is good fun. It's it's funny to think because that's what exactly Nintendo was trying to inspire now with the Wii. Yeah, they've already they already managed it with it, you know, with Pokemon ten years ago, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But uh, I think we'll call it the day on the Pokemon. So film, shall we? one of your favorites was oh, Prime. No, Ape. see, I thought I was going to try and get away. So with one of it. your favorites was Prime Ape. Uh-huh. And what's Prime Ape? A monkey. Yeah, and what's their next game? Oh, I didn't even think. So. I thought it was going to be something bad. Primate is a monkey. Then we have Donkey Kong coming up. Yeah, Donkey game. Kong Country. You see, I knew you. Whenever you said Primate, I was just like, you just like the. You I just like monkey. Yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. He has like gloves on and stuff, but anyway. Oh, uh, well, too, he's not see, I just think it was going to be something stupid, but hey, yeah, it leads us nicely into the fact that uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to discuss the King of Kongs, Donkey Kong, in his first outing on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, that is Donkey Kong Country, and we'll talk about that after the break. Hi, my name is James Etook, and you're listening to Operation Retro Shock, which covers all things retro, much like Serial Geek magazine. Head over to SerialGeek.com to buy the glossy magazine dedicated to the cartoons of the 80s, like He-Man, She-Ra, Transformers, Thundercats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc., etc.
Yeah, th- that's actually take two, ladies and gentlemen, since Alan didn't have his microphone <laughs> beside his mouth. So, uh, I just want to incorporate that because he made himself out to be a bit of an idiot and then uh-huh. did it even better whenever he wasn't actually recording it properly. So Thank, thanks Apparently that's that. monkey talk for welcome back from the break, but I'm not convinced. You're not completely fluent. No. Yeah. Uh, why did you do this to me, Chris? <laughs> you did it to yourself, in all honesty. <laughs> Having my microphone in the completely wrong place up in the air instead of down. But <laughs> so, Alan, why are we talking about Donkey Kong Country? Donkey Kong Country. Very fond memories, because it was my first ever video game. Full stop, not just in the Super Nintendo, but full stop. Again, showing that I'm a bit younger than everybody. Yeah, well, I can tell you what my first game is, and it wasn't on the Super Nintendo. It was a wee bit further back, was it? It was Mega Man on the NES. Mega Man! So, Pixel Down will probably like that. Mm-hmm. The Mega Man reference. But, uh, yeah, it was my first game for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It, uh, if I remember right, it was Christmas present. Uh, I think it was... I can't help you out here, Alan, because... I know, I know, you, you completely know nothing about Donkey Kong, really, do you? No, I mean, I wasn't there at Christmas when oh, well, I got no, it. No, you've, well, you've openly said that you hardly know anything about Donkey Kong anyway. But uh, I think I got it Christmas 94, and it was the way we in work nowadays get the bundle packs, but yeah. in the same box, so it was the Super Nintendo and I had... The actual big box itself had a big graphic. Very much like they did with Street Fighter 2 Turbo Edition yeah. and the Mario World, the Mario World Stars. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it was, you know, the huge box for the Super Nintendo with the graphics on the side of it and obviously the usual sort of thing. I would have been five, so I would have. I, you get your first console, you'll remember this anyway from your own experiences. You just go hyperactive and start bouncing off the walls effectively because it's your first console I don't bounce off I'm not a part of <laughs> girls I don't, I don't bounce off walls I you know like it's a figure of speech Chris okay I remember my sister getting the Super Nintendo and getting Super Mario World mm-hmm. so Oh well, yeah, well that was an interesting tr- mm-hmm. okay <laughs> I'll move like, yeah. on then so <laughs> um, it was well we've been we've talked about it off air but we're thinking this might have been one of the first ever kind of co-op games on the Nintendo system as well, specifically more the Super Nintendo anyway. Yeah, well, Mario World was a co-op game, but it wasn't as an effect of if you're playing as Donkey Kong and then you die, then I take over as Diddy Kong. Yeah. Know, like, so it was the first time that you had that kind of thing. To, to the best of our knowledge, we could be proven wrong, which no doubt we will be, but um, <laughs> to our knowledge, it was the very first one, especially on the next-gen formats, moving up from an 8-bit format to a 16-bit format. It's the first one that I remember actually um, playing and getting so far, you know, having somebody to help you, you know, if you were particularly rubbish at a certain um, stage, like yeah. the minecart one was always one that I had great difficulty with, with timing the jumps and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was a switching thing. It was nice because, like you say, you could have someone else there with you, um, and it kind of made it a wee bit competitive as well. Yeah. Because you're like, aha, I'm going to complete this level without your help at all. Mm. But then you die and then you get laughed at. And <laughs> yeah, true. But, true. Uh, <laughs> uh, like you were mentioning there with the mines, probably not one of your favourite levels. Oh no, it's a good, it's a favourite level because it still sticks in my mind, you know, but um, it wouldn't be one 
I would prefer that over the water one. Uh-huh. You know, just the fact of the... I can't remember if it was in the first one or the second one, but it was one to do with you had the stop and go lights as well. Yes, the stop and go lights, that wasn't mine card as such, but you were in a mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were. That was the ones where it was like when it went go, the enemies would move. Yeah. But then when it was stop, yeah, it would be kind of like, your quick chance yeah. to jump about the place. Exactly, yeah. But for me, it's like you say there about the underwater ones. The underwater ones were always a pain in the backside. Yeah, the music was nice too. Music was yeah. nice, yeah. Um, but I think the thing stands out more about the levels. Yes, they're memorable in their own way for what each one had, be it minecart or whatever. Was but because now Nintendo would went to the 16-bit format, it was very. It was kind of nearly two and a half D at this stage that you know Nintendo managed to make you know the trees in the background yeah. look properly, not just flat. I very you much see like, the shape of them. Very much like they did with Yoshi's Island, mm-hmm. um, as known as that. You know, like it's 2D, but with hint of 3D about it. Mm-hmm. That, if that makes sense. It was it was revolutionary. Yeah. So it was, but um, what do you expect from a game that was made by uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, the key behind Mario? You yeah. know everything. Obviously, it was uh, created. You know, like Rare did it. Uh-huh. Who then are doing one of the games that we went oh, we'll, we'll talk about later on when Goldeneye mm-hmm. so they have a reputation of making good games you know and revolutionary games at that. exactly yeah but um, <laughs> a big question is so did you complete it without cheating I honestly can't remember if I did oh I honestly, I honestly cannot remember if I did or not you mean just completing it or completing it without cheating uh, both. both 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 yeah Chris's fantastic memory. Fantastic yeah. memory. Um, I did complete it without cheating, but I was doing it, I was still quite young, so I kind of did it in co-op with my mum. <laughs> so I did. That's awesome. First video game experience with your mum. Again, Mario World is mine. Mm-hmm. But the enjoyment of just... Uh, I loved the whole credit sequence and them dancing and all that sort of stuff. It was kind of a, at that age, kind of your payoff. You're just like, "Hey, I've I've beat the game," but uh, <laughs> it's a bit stupid and naive talking about it now and thinking about how childish it was. But it's, the key fact was, I was a kid. Um, but uh, again, like we mentioned, there was a thing I found interesting about the graphics especially when it comes to the final boss fight with K. Rool, was, again, the graphics making it a wee bit more, you know, a bit more involved because you saw him throwing his crown and all. Uh-huh. And, again, it didn't just look like it was a stupid crown moving from left to right. It was physically, like, it was moving towards in the... What was it? The cannonballs coming down from the mast. How, did, how do you get cannonballs to drop from the mast? Well, I don't know. Is what I want to know, but uh, it is King K. Rool after all. It's his ship. He he can do as he wishes. But um, obviously, it was such a successful game that it's uh, had many sequels. Now on not only the Super Nintendo, but obviously 64 and Donkey Kong showing up in tons of games thereafter. Yeah. Um, number two. Donkey Kong Country 2 was, I'm trying to remember, it was Diddy and Dixie Kong. 
so it was because Donkey Kong had been kidnapped in that one and the thing with that one that revolutionised it a bit was apart from you still had the likes of the returning animals with Rambi the Rhino and Ungard the Swordfish but the way in Donkey Kong 1 where it was, just had basic jumping abilities Dixie had her ponytail so you could kind of glide oh yeah yeah and so it allowed you to get yeah. there would be bigger jumps and all that sort of stuff and again Nintendo continued to improve upon their whole um, 16-bit format and um, the graphics kept getting better because I remember in number two there was like some lava levels were brought in and also it was just a wee bit different than before um, and then Donkey Kong Country 3 it was Dixie Kong and was it was it Baby Kong or something? But Baby Kong wasn't so baby. He was kind of he was quite big for his age, but he acted like a toddler. Um, again, why is it, why is it with Donkey Kong that the previous game's main character gets kidnapped in the following? I've no idea. I remember Donkey Kong. I remember Donkey Kong on the sixty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that because he needed an expansion pack for that. Yeah, that was the expansion pack for yeah. sixty four. Yeah. Um, I remember getting that and uh, having to pay quite a bit of money because they were quite expensive. I'm sure I remember yeah. what they were. Well, you were talking about I think with the game. I think you were talking for the Super or for the N64. I think you were talking about sixty or seventy quid. Yeah, it was about that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was because you couldn't have played it without it. Same with uh, I think it was Ocarina of Time needed it. Mm-hmm. Again, me being me, I was like, Mom, Mom, yeah. <laughs> please buy me this. Um, but it was just a case of, that's the one I, re- I remember, because I remember playing the first one, I don't remember too much about the second and the third one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as you say, he's appeared in lots of other games, and uh, Mario Kart, he's a different Donkey Kong than we're used yeah, to, because he's, he's wearing his, like, <laughs> like a wife-beater vest. Uh, like a loincloth or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, it was, I think it was... I think it was more based off his Japanese style again, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But, um, but then you see him featured heavily in, like, say, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics, Smash Bros. Uh, Smash Brothers. Uh, I think he was in Smash Brothers for the GameCube and the uh, Wii as well. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he's been featured in Mario Party and but um, again, even Mario f- Football, even before or Mario Soccer, <laughs> even before Donkey Kong Country. He was around before even Mario. Yeah, but then the original Donkey Kong game itself was based around obviously um, he stole. It wasn't Peach then; it was, was Daisy. Daisy. Yeah, and a certain individual who happened to be was a carpenter, not a plumber. Yeah, if I remember right. Jumpman. Jumpman, who w- turned into Mario. So it was kind of a case of, which is why you always have nowadays the response. Mario and Donkey Kong March of the Minis or something. Yeah. Kind of Nintendo kind of went back to the rivalry between Mario and Donkey Kong, mm-hmm. which they'd left behind many years prior. Yeah, but obviously with the SNES games, then you got Diddy Kong, who's been featured in. You Diddy, know, Diddy Kong did quite well out of this. Yeah, he got his own racing game, Diddy Kong Racing for the Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, <laughs> on, on the N64 and the DS as well. They brought it out. On yeah, it was it was nice to see that they brought it out in the DS, but. Um, that was another game that I just remember playing non-stop for ages was Diddy Kong yeah. Racing because mm-hmm. it was really really fun plus you got to see not only characters from Donkey Kong in it but other Nintendo franchises kind of come into it and cross over into mm-hmm. it because yeah. what was it with Diddy Kong was there was, was it Conquer the Squirrel hadn't even had his game his game wasn't going to be out for two years but he got brought into Diddy Kong Racing yeah exactly so it was, it was Donkey Kong's line 
it's branched out into so many different versions of the series have then expanded into bringing in other characters and letting everybody see them before they even came out but uh, it's like Chris has said we kind of haven't really had much of a Donkey Kong specific game since the 64 no so I'm well, just kind of sad you have, you've, ha- you've had the likes of the Donkey Kong um, Donkey Konga mm-hmm. which was the uh, the one that used the bongos on the GameCube. Surprisingly fun. <laughs> then you had the Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, which was the same, which they brought out again. They revamped it for the Wii, and then you had Donkey Kong Jet Race. You haven't, you've had Donkey Kong in different formats, yeah, but, but you haven't had the original. You haven't had a Donkey Kong platform game. It's kind of the way they brought they uh, on the 360. The Rare brought back out uh, Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie for you know a different audience, um, but you haven't had that brought out on a different medium you know yeah. you haven't had um, I think, and I think, is, I think the reason probably is more so down to Rare because the fact that it'll be harder for Nintendo to get the rights to yes they own Donkey Kong and his imagery but harder for them to get the rights to the platform itself which Rare developed and yeah. made but the thing is is that if Banjo-Kazooie if Banjo-Tooie and Banjo-Kazooie were released on the Xbox there could be a chance that that would be the first Nintendo-related character like Donkey Kong you that you would see on that. You you don't know, but but that's the, it's the horrible world of gaming and trademarks and copyrights. Yeah, <laughs> if's a big word whenever that's concerned. Yeah, especially in gaming anyway. Yeah, but um, we've jumped about with the series is quite a bit, so we'll now um, mention this is one that Chris didn't really know existed until I mentioned it, which was the TV show that popped up on our screens. I know I know in the US before it hit UK, but it was on Nickelodeon UK's channel anyway. And I absolutely adored this because being a Donkey Kong fan, I was like, this is great, there's actually going to be a TV show Donkey Kong. And it wasn't just a cartoon. It was proper... What what we expect now, which was probably again ahead of its time a bit, it was 3D, it was graphics, it was CGI. Mm-hmm. So it was so it wasn't just your run of the mill kids cartoon. And I think another thing about this that was great was, unlike with say you know the way there was obviously there was the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, yeah, where characters looked a tad different. Oh than yes. yeah. They were in the games. Obviously, um, Bowser was Koopa. You know, he wasn't specifically named at all. But the characters looked completely different. Whereas in Donkey Kong's one, they looked the spitting image of what they were in their games. Mm -hmm. But the weirdest thing about this show was the voices. (laughs) Hearing Donkey Kong with a Brooklyn accent... (laughs) Not shattered... (laughs) Not shattered my opinion of him, but it was just weird seeing, you know... Obviously, you'd never have haven't played the games. Pictured Donkey Kong with a voice other than just a monkey, but it was still a case of just weird seeing one of your favorite games characters come to life with a voice. Yeah. But that was the whole that was the whole thing with the TV show is explaining how Donkey Kong became kind of the king of the Kongs, the ruler of the island, all that sort of stuff. And the show had one of the catchiest intro songs ever. So it was. N64's Donkey Kong had the Donkey Kong rap, but uh, 
I far prefer the TV shows theme, which um, again we played in the intro into this. But it was it's hard. It's one I've always wanted to dig up and find online, but they've never released it on DVD. Fingers crossed down the line they release it. What? Don't what are you laughing at me? I want to relive my childhood. That's the point of this show, Chris. Oh well, don't be expecting me to um, buy Donkey Kong on DVD. Thanks. Go watch He Man. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, we'll be discussing that at some point. Oh, over my dead body. That's all right. That's oh, okay. prepare, prepare for the hate mail for yeah. me there. Yep, that's fine. <laughs> Any Masters Universe fans want to write to Alan Price, you can send your hate mail via alanprice at popculturenetwork.com. <laughs> I knew you were doing that. But uh, I'm only joking, everybody. We'll get to it eventually at some <laughs> stage. In many months down the line. <laughs> uh, but something everybody can hear, I'll just pause for a second so they can hear it. There in the background is... Is it a tumbleweed? Not a tumbleweed. Oh, right, okay. That's inside your head. Oh, oh snap! <laughs> um, obviously what you could hear in the background is part of the soundtrack to Donkey Kong Country itself. Again, another thing that I think made the game stand out. Oh yeah, because it was very level specific, as we've said earlier on. You know, the mine uh, cart level, you had um, music there. The underwater level, the music you had you know music there it was all specific so if it was raining you would have different music than you would if it was yeah, dry it was land like or raining like it. it was like drums yeah water was kind of more what was it more tranquil and yeah. tranquil yeah. sort of thing and then um, what was it the likes of the minecart levels were very there was kind of energetic yeah it was very fast paced yeah. like you know yeah you, it's got to go really fast you need to you and know, I always find that that music kind of corresponded to what you did with the controller like you would maybe jump too early and all yeah, that sort of exactly. like, oh, you'd get hyper yeah. because of the music yeah. but it was it's one of those soundtracks that I've always found that having it on my computer I could just you know listen to and it's weird to say that about um, you could say it about games nowadays because games nowadays have proper songs with lyrics and all but this is a game that the songs themselves don't have lyrics it's just a tune but that's the same way a lot of people would say that about the Zelda games. Yeah. You know, like, the Zelda games have really beautiful music. Um, the likes of Mario World had good music and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's one, like, whenever uh, um, we're compi- compiling the music for the background, you know, like, it was a treat to actually listen to the music mm-hmm. before you actually pasted it all together. So it was nice to actually hear the music and think, right, that's the music for this, or that's for the that music level, for yeah. the bad, that's the music for the end boss, or that's the music for this, or that's the music for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, again, you know, like you associate, as soon as you th- hear that, you go, oh, that's the minecart level, and then you start thinking about things. Like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, like there was a certain part that went up a wee bit, but it went down, but you had to like jump, and then get enough steam to go up, and then jump again, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, but... It was just it's just nice to have good music with games and it's something that you can't neglect nowadays, especially as you say, with them having the, such the media yeah. available, you know, as we're t- we'll touch on later on with Grand Theft Auto, you know, how much how the music has evolved has evolved from sixteen yeah. bit, you know, to the three sixty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But um we'll kind of sum this up now with um we've obviously talked about the game enough to you have a great impression of the game, but favourite moment that makes you smile from your memories. For me, apart from the whole, it was my first game and I played it with my mum and as the final memory. 
My favourite memory is actually more come recent, when you, me and a friend of ours were around here and you had the old console set up mm-hmm. and I played it. Yeah. And I was shooting about the levels and finding all these secret areas and you were like, how the hell do you still remember this? But I and remember... me just having beaming smile on my face, just yeah. loving it. Just It's just the going back and playing it when you haven't played it for such a long time and remembering everything. But again, with Super Mario World, I could remember where how to get all 96 levels. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's weird because it's a game, It's probably a game that you played over and over again. That's why you remember all that. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, for me, it would, it'll always be the minecart levels above anything else because at the time, you remember watching the Indiana Jones films and loving yeah. them and then, you know, you have uh, Temple of Doom where they have the minecart thing and then whenever you see that, you know, you think, oh, I think I'm going to play Donkey Kong after I watch mm-hmm. this or anything like that. But that's that's that and the animals, you know. So you had, you know, like the, as you said, you know, like you had the swordfish, you had like the frog, and you had mm-hmm. like the rhino and all that kind of stuff. So that was another different level to bring to it to get like ex- extra secret stuff. But for me, it'll always be the minecart level and the manicness that um, surrounded it and just being sheer frustration of trying to get past the level which you want you want something that's challenging rather than something that you'll but the thing is and I think it's the key point to sum this up and end on is that no matter how many years go by when you go back to play it the challenge is still actually there it isn't one of those ones that was a kiddish game that it was difficult when you were young yeah there's still parts now where you will get hit or you will fall and you'll be like <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Which you want to go, you want to go back to it, but you want to still make it a challenge. You know, you still want to go back and you want to play, like say, Mario Kart, or you want to go back and play you like Yoshi's Island for me is still or, or Super Girls and Ghosts. That's a prime example. Is no matter how much of a gamer you are, if you could play Ghosts and Goblins or Girls and Ghosts or Super Girls and Ghosts, my hats off to you because I've completed it once and that was via cheating. It was like invulnerability or something. That was the only way I've ever managed to complete it because that, for me, that is the toughest game I've ever played in my life. <laughs> well, there you go. Anyway, how many bananas out of ten would you rate? <laughs> I know. I sorry, I had to do the monkey reference. I don't know. I'll say eight. Only eight bananas? Yeah, eight. eight. Well, I would probably say um, nine out of ten for me. Yes, that may shock you, Chris, but it's a case of. No game can ever be perfect, no matter yeah. how much. No matter how much you love it and remember it, there'll obviously be things simply because of the age mm-hmm. that you can't mark at full marks. Where does Where does Donkey Kong live? He lives on D- DK Island. And is that like directly away from Vice City? It's actually just off the coast of Vice City, right. so it is. So we're going to actually pop on a ferry now and uh, just go across from Donkey Kong's homeland to Vice City. Hope Yoshi knows where he's going anyway. That's a robot chicken reference. You could end up in Raccoon City. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, join us after the break. We'll just play you a little bit of Vice City music here and uh, see you all after the break. station's listeners are at school. We're shoplifted. V-Rock. V-Rock. 
You know, I was the first guy in my class to wear a leather jacket. That's why they chose me to introduce you to rock and roll mayhem. I even dye my hair, so I must be a rebel. Hey, if you like this music, why not listen to V-Rock, home of the vulture? If you're not breathing fire yet, try a little bit of this. The home of rebellion and the vulture. This is V-Rock, where rock and roll reigns supreme. Or we'll peck your eyes out. Knights of the Road, here's your stallion. The car for freedom. Freedom. The car for hot excitement. Excitement. The car for a man who is alone against the elements. No, I bought you thunder. The pride is back. It's the power of a compact. Looks small, but it's so big. Fuel injected. Inject me. My Batsu Thunder. On the toll road of life, you have to pay to prove you can. Live the emotion of an individual. Thunder. The awesome power of nature distilled into one vehicle. Because after you get struck by lightning, there's thunder. The My Batsu Thunder. And welcome everybody back from the break. Yeah, welcome back from the break. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was going to go for a, something a wee bit more reserved and say. You don't show me no respect. Oh no, it's the wrong game. Wrong, wrong game, oh. Chris. I was going to say along the lines of. You want just grande? He's just going to keep doing this. Is <laughs> <laughs> the guy who made monkey noises? <laughs> no, but hey. Um, welcome to the number one, as they say, holiday resort in America. With the most deaths and killings and murders. Raccoon City? I still love it. No, not Raccoon City. Oh, alright. Vice City. Oh, alright, okay. Your number one destination. <laughs> but, uh, Grand Theft Auto, what a series it has become. Yeah, I remember getting the third one whenever I first third came one, out. Third one's where this whole thing really kicked off. Yeah, I remember seeing a lot of reviews about it, you know, like, it was getting like 93, 97%, and whenever you see magazine scores like that, you think either, A, they're, you know, like, if you get an official PlayStation magazine, obviously they're going to be, nine times out of ten, they're going to be biased towards the game. Mm -hmm. So whenever you see high marks, you're like, oh, well, this looks good. So I remember picking the third one up and playing it with a mate of mine, and um, he was just so struck with it that we had to I had to actually save it and we needed to go to our local games stop for him to pick a game up <laughs> of it it was that taken with it with Vice City obviously the same way if you play like Resident Evil you know if you love the first one you're going to get the second one same way with Vice City mm-hmm. you're going to love that now obviously Vice City was huge in the fact that it was such a bigger scale and uh, it had so much to follow had so much to follow, but you had a, your character was talking rather than in Grand Theft Auto Three, where your character ah, didn't just, talk. It was just words on the bottom yeah, of the screen. Exactly, but um, there's so many aspects that we'll get onto later on. But I just remember the third one being, you know, a crucial thing for me to pick up Vice City. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if I was um, working. Uh, I think it was working at the time, but I can't remember how much I paid for. Um, it probably would be about forty, forty pounds. I know, they so never, 
prices never change no exactly. matter how graphics exactly, are sadly yeah. mm-hmm. you can scare yourself if you look back at the old price of games but uh, similar situation for myself GTA 3 as you will no doubt have guessed ladies and gentlemen that um, by the time GTA 3 was out I still wasn't 18 <gasps> oh no I was a naughty boy oh, wasn't I? I was a naughty boy <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah so the whole appeal of GTA 3 for me was the fact of this is kind of a game I shouldn't really be playing and all that, but... Yeah, but that happens now. I mean... It happens too much now. Yeah, you and I work together, so it's just a case of people come in, you're aware that's an 18-rated game, and the kid's like 7. Yes, that's fine, but yeah. it's the parent's choice at the end of the day, but um, I'll go on record as saying, you know, like if it's the parent's choice, then don't blame games, yeah. you know, like if you're prepared to buy them for it, and if the people behind the counter are explaining things to you. I I, I, I can... Obviously, not everywhere does that, but it should be made... It's part of the job. It should be made a law now where, you know, like, people are spoken to, you know, and said to, because you wouldn't go into a wine bar and then decide to buy your kid uh, a bottle a pint, of wine. Just a pint just or just a because, wine or yeah, something. exactly, but we're getting bogged it's down. Always, anyway. It's always something that um, we mention because we feel it's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's one thing back... It's one thing I think's got a wee bit too far... In the sense of, and it's not that we're condemning the series because it's completely not the series' fault. It's the fact of the matter that when I was playing GTA 3, I was 15, 16. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't too far away from 18. Yeah. Not that that makes it right. But still, at the end of the day, I was 15, 16. Whereas we have kids coming into work now that are 6, 7, and their parents are just bringing the game up completely mindlessly, thinking it's just another game. Mm-hmm. But the child can play and the kid's like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, and we have to explain it. But again... We don't want to get bogged down in that. It's not what the series is about. No. It's, again, like we've really said about Pokemon and all, it's role-playing. It is a role-playing game. You are, as in Vice City, you are Tommy Versetti. Mm-hmm. Um, a very interesting individual with his flamboyant, what, his flamboyant even, Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. Lovely individual. But... Um, the whole thing, like we were saying with GTA 3, it put GTA in the map for the PlayStation 2. So when 2002 came along, end of the year, November time for the UK, and Vice City reared its head, the shops were absolutely chocker block. Yeah, exactly. It's coming to the case now where Grand Theft Auto is such a main stable of the next generation consoles, you know, obviously we have Grand Theft Auto 4 and the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, but whenever that came out, first of all, in the Xbox, um, the amount of press and the amount of publicity and the amount of, um, you know, shops opening at midnight to cope with the demand for it was astronomical, and now you're getting add-on packs for it, but it's just, it's so such a big game now, and it was such a big game for the PS2 then. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, after that, then you had Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Um, it kind of sparked so many um, uh, clones, so to speak, like the likes of Driver 3. Saints Row. Yes, Saints Row. Scarface, obviously, was based on the film, but kind of had the same kind tone. Of tone, yeah. But for me, Grand Theft Auto Vice City was probably one. Would probably it was be. A trendsetter. Yeah, yeah, but it'd be one of my top five PS2 games. And yeah. At that time, it would have been the main selling point of a PS2. Yeah. The same way you have 
the halos for the Assassin's Creed of this world who are the main reasons why people would buy a next generation console. Yeah, besides obviously the whole idea of um, the world being so big now and so diverse in the GTA world with Vice City, another key selling point which has become, again, very much the mainstay from GTA 3 and again made more iconic by Vice City is the radio stations. Oh yeah, totally. I mean the music and that, I mean I've bought the box set mm-hmm. for Vice City itself, but just Which the is music, a hell of a box set. Yeah, the music of it is just fantastic. I mean I remember driving along to push it to the limit and on a motorbike and then just whacking into a lamppost and flying off and then <laughs> the music's off. But just trying to find, you know, like if you were trying to find Laszlo or whoever, you're trying yeah, to your find, favorite radio yeah, channel. you're trying to find your ra- favorite radio channel and see one. Emotion song. with Fernando Martinez. Yeah, <laughs> but you just have so many classic songs on it, you know. So again, we have it playing in the background. So see how many you can, you can name. Be, you can name, yeah. Maybe you can maybe you can text message Zit and they can text you the title of the song. Yeah. Plus the fact that in Vice City as well, all the. Um, commercials you know like uh, say you had I remember like Pogo the Monkey and all that all those were proper websites that Rockstar actually made proper websites so if you wanted to go to petsovernight.com that was an actual website you know which is pretty clever to actually do that yeah because there's what else as well there's Thor and his um, what is it uh, Viking Bible on how to you know improve your life and all that sort of stuff they Rockstar just go into so much detail not only was it on the radio stations but posters on the wall and that sort of stuff passers-by talking to each other and stuff yeah just the wee tiny details but the radio stations with the music I I know to this very day that I specifically have on my iPod or generic media player (laughs) (laughs) not to we don't pick and choose um, that I have a full Grand Theft Auto Vice City playlist, mm-hmm. just ready on and listen to it because it just you just song comes on, you just picture say driving a boat about or something like that. Exactly, yeah. Because it's just that sort of thing that makes the game stand out to you. But like we were slightly debating, you were saying being your top five PS2 games of all time mm-hmm. was and that it was the best game at that moment in time. Um, would it be fair to say that in comparison to it now what things are better in Vice City than they would be in the later games I think it's not over complicated now whereas with next generation consoles you expect so much mm-hmm. you know so if you have obviously with Grand Theft Auto 4 there was so much that needed to go into it mm-hmm. so you needed to have you know like you need to have download content you need to have online multiplayer yeah. you need to have you know you need to have all these different facets you know put into the game you need to have a really good soundtrack you need to have really good playability but you can't make it too long or no, you can't make it too short, you know, you have to make it over like an 8 hour thing because then a lot of people will give off stink. I mean, there's Call of Duty, that people, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 that people bought then took home and completed. Whereas the likes of Grand Theft Auto, you can pick up, you, you need to have that playability factor yeah. above all else. But and, that, and that was, I think, something, especially in the PS2, besides the likes of the Final Fantasies, that 
made GTA kind of stand out on PS2 because obviously back then download content and all wasn't available. Yeah, exactly. But it was a case of it was something that you could um, save in your memory card, take around your mates, and show your mates. You know, like if you would like, uh, this is my car. Yeah, or this I, is my house. I remember, you know, like standing on top of the uh, uh, parking lot. Um, near where the safe thing is and then just shooting loads of civilians and then getting five stars and then getting in the car and then jumping the car off the um, the top of the roof your own, and your then, own wee cinematic movie yeah it was <laughs> it was almost like the in Die Hard 4 whenever he drives the car jumps out and then it hits in the helicopter in the helicopter yeah, yeah that's what I was trying to do before Die Hard 4 came out so it stole my idea <laughs> um, but it's just the things like that you need stuff that you could go around and show your friends yeah. I mean Every Vice City game that we that I see, you know, like people are trading in or whatever, you know, among my many years of working in different companies and things, they're always scratched because they've always been played that so much. much <laughs> you know, it's very rare that you would get one that is in mis- uh, pristine condition, and it's the same with Grand Theft Auto Four now, and it'll probably be the same whenever the um, add-on packs come out for the PS3 mm-hmm. you know like in a couple of y- in a few years time you'll see them they're quite badly scratched because they get played so often and mm-hmm. the Grand Theft Auto is the type of game you can stick in and you can play for half an hour because there was the likes of whenever we were waiting to go and play uh, go and watch Wrestlemania yeah. we put on Grand Theft Auto and we put on wrestling music in the background because you could just go drive about you didn't need to do a mission you didn't need to do anything you could drive about just yeah. maybe cause a wee bit of mayhem but it was just the idea of it's the sort of thing you can put on for five, ten minutes, whatever length yeah. of time you want, and just have a bit of a laugh. It's something you can get totally immersed in. You know, you could say that that's... I mean, I've known people who've played it so long. I've spoken to people and they've said they played Grand Theft Auto that long that they've actually walked past a car and thought, I can nick that car. <laughs> or they've been in a car driving and they've been having to keep an eye on their speed in case they're uh-huh. going too fast. Uh-huh. Because in Grand Theft Auto, obviously, you can drive in the footpath or wherever. Yeah, and you can but go past the place at a million miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, exactly. Won't but it's just the fact that it's such it's such a wide open world that you can go and do anything. You can go and find a helicopter. You can go and get a motorbike. You can go and join a gang. You can go and get start a, a business. Get a different suit. You can go to a club or whatever, and uh-huh. you know you can go to so many different things, which is just incredible. The fact that they improve on that, but going from the fourth or fifth one is going to have to be a massive. It's going to be big, yeah. But we'll get back to the possibilities of the fifth one towards the end. Um, but we'll move on to the point you've kind of already mentioned that I see your memorable moment, and that you know, you know, starting a shootout, getting your wanted level, and that sort of stuff. But um, what mission do you remember standing out to you from Vice City? Oh, it would be the one uh, I can't remember. Obviously, it's been ages since I played. Can't it, remember so the specific scores. Yeah. yeah, I remember the one wherever you first got the sniper rifle mm-hmm. and you're down at like the docks, mm-hmm. and I think Lance is doing something and you have to protect him. Yeah, he's at a deal or something. And you have to look yeah, over. Yeah, I remember doing that, and you have to. Um, those ones are that. Those are even they've even cropped up in. GTA 4 as well yeah but I think you've had to use the um, 
I think you've had to use like a, you have to get a pill first of all uh-huh. to like um, slow it down. So whenever the character's moving, it's a lot easier for you to shoot. Yes, kind of su- similar in like Metal Gear Solid, wherever uh, you have to get the diazepam to steady your nerves, otherwise mm-hmm. the the gun's going everywhere. But mm-hmm. that's the one that stands out the most for me. Um, is doing that and just making sure that whenever I always made sure that whenever I went on a mission, I would make sure that I had a fast car. Some, <laughs> sometimes, obviously, I would say that you need to take a certain car yeah. to go to a certain place. But I'd be really miffed whenever I took like a really good car to a mission and then came out and the cars disappear. Be like, I wanted that car. I don't An- want another, this. Heap. Another part of GTA. Exactly, yeah. Where you become possessive over, say, your vehicles or you know that sort of stuff. Yeah. For me. A memorable mission that stands out is because of the sheer frustration it caused me was if you remember towards towards the end where you're getting ready for like the big mission that um, to get this guy in your team you have to race him and he's in I think it's the Sabre GT the red car and you have to do like three laps around you're going past your club and all that sort of stuff and his car was so much faster than the car because it was like GTA does sometimes like you said starts you in a certain car yeah. and that car was a complete and utter heap <laughs> and you had no chance of catching him in that car so what you would have to do is before you went and started the mission would have a fast car parked beside so you would jump out your car jump into the fast car and chase after him mm. to have any hope of catching him and I remember doing that mission over and over again, and the only reason I completed it, I remember the first time, was because for some other reason I clipped his back tire and he flipped. <laughs> and that was the only reason why I completed that mission. But there's so many missions in that game that will make it stand out, because it was, again, the kind of first time in GTA that you had such a wide diversity of vehicles. Yeah. So you could have, you know, you could have a mission... Part of it would be a helicopter, part of it would be the boat, part of it would be the car, mm-hmm. part of it could be a scooter. Yeah. Because there's the pizza delivery missions and all that sort of stuff oh, in there as yeah. well. Um, but that's how diverse and how memorable the missions could be. I think the key thing we'll have to talk about now would be, like we've mentioned about, it went GTA 3, then to Vice City, then to San Andreas mm-hmm. for the PS2 stages yeah. of the game. Out of that trilogy, is Vice City the best yeah, in my opinion yeah it would be Vice City the third one in San Andreas I didn't like San Andreas because the majority of what I played I was on a bloody push pedal bike <laughs> for the majority of it and I just didn't like it I couldn't get into San it was such a far it was, leap it was different yeah it was such a far leap from Vice City to San Andreas it was a lot bigger than Vice City but for some odd reason that didn't help improve it yeah Sort of thing. For me, it is. It's yes, in way San Andreas might have more features, more capabilities that would make it. You know, if you were to properly, you know, impartially review them, the better game. But it's the likes of with Vice City, the memories you get from it that make it your favorite game, which is what it does for me. Again, pointing the likes of the music and the various missions and that sort of stuff that you just have to put it head and shoulders above the rest of them and I would think 
still pretty up there in the entire Grand Theft Auto series. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it would always feature if you were if you were to compile tomorrow a top 100 games of all time, Grand Theft Auto Vice City would be in the top 10. Easily. Um, I think Grand Theft Auto 4 would be as well. I don't think San Andreas would. I think no. San Andreas would be bringing up, would be bringing up the rear. It's mm-hmm. kind of the way if you have a, if you have say like a girl band mm-hmm. and you have four different people and three of them are three three of them are really attractive and one of them's okay. You know that that one's going to be picked last. Yeah. And that you know and then you've got the three who are going to like contest it. Say like the Spice Girls or whatever you know. Just for example. Yeah. Um, but the kind of key thing we'll now say about this is we mentioned the music obviously and that made it the extra bit special but is there something specific about Face City not even specific it doesn't have to be that um, would make you want to go back and play it again yeah because you have good memories of playing it you know like you enjoy doing the missions you know I can remember taking around a friend's house, you know, like if I was going around like on a Monday night because we used to like sit and play PS2 games or whatever. So I remember like uh, getting a car and you know taking it to the garage and you know repairing it and all that. Pimping your ride. All that, yeah, all that caper. But yeah, it would definitely be one I would play again. You know, I I have it for the Xbox because I can play it on my Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. But if if they were to revamp it and bring it on the arcade, I'd play it again you know if they were, if they were, yeah if they were bringing it out you know like and make it all HD and you know because obviously when we play it there's like borders done inside of it you mm-hmm. know it, it's not the most pretty looking uh, it game was, it wasn't designed for widescreen at that stage exactly exactly so it's it's a game I would certainly go back to but um, they would need to bring it up to next generation standard Aye, for me you can't, you can't just have one big graphic hand you'd have to have you know the gra- detail for fingers and all that sort of stuff but it's one I played it probably I played it again no longer than a year ago so it was pretty recent enough I've played it and just playing through it and remembering all it's the sort of game that if you haven't played in ages and you play it again you forget certain things so when you play it through it's like you've played it the first time and you're just enjoying it all again but I think just before we round this up we need to mention about the possibilities of Grand Theft Auto 5 mm-hmm. and the rumour mill that is going around and that is the rumour that Grand Theft Auto 5 will be going back to Vice City alright um, there's been it was the rumour started with uh, the expansion pack that you mentioned for GTA 4 there's a little poster in the back of the um, instruction manual that basically says that for this generation of consoles it's basically something like Liberty City it's over Mm -hmm. which is Rockstar effectively saying that we won't be going back to Liberty City again this generation of console but there's like it's like it's a poster on the wall and there's like a tear at the bottom and someone actually found and how this person had the time in their life to do this went through and found like this wee image the corner and matched it up to a poster from Vice City mm-hmm. and it exactly matches up so whether that's a hint that they plan to go to Vice City or not for number 5 is uh, something that will no doubt be debated for goodness knows how long then there's I suppose rumours that it's going to be coming out within the next 8 months I doubt that they've started the promotion for that but 
So. Yeah. Well, if they're bring, I mean, there's like Gears of War three has been announced. Mm-hmm. It's just been announced today for this day, this time next year. Mm-hmm. So if they were bring something back, and if you were to bring something out in eight months, you would you need, need to, to. You need to get the hype going. Yeah, you need to get the hype going because you know, like eight months would be like after Christmas. Well, no, it would be at Christmas time. Sorry, mm-hmm. if you were to bring it out in eight months, but it's being in April. Um. Be November, December time, so yeah, you would really need to get the the promotional bandwagon going. But that's the internet for you is rumor mills. You know, everything has a rumor mill. You know, wrestling has all these rumors, and Master Universe has all these rumors, and you know, all these TV programs all have rumors. So the joy, of the joy of the gaming industry, the movie industry, the TV industry is plenty of rumors. Yeah, exactly, plenty of rumors, and one out of like a million are correct. You know, so yeah, yeah. take it with a pinch of salt. But exactly. uh, here's hoping that we can revisit Vice City sometime in the near future on a next generation of console. Yeah, well, it'd be, it'd be fun too. Yeah, you know, like, it's always fun to go around shooting things and blowing things up, which leads us on nicely to, to uh, Mr. Bond. Mr. Bond, James Bond. Yeah, uh, or as he's known to people, Stratos. <laughs> Sorry. Chris and his little hint to uh, Masters of the Universe yeah. and Stratos sounding like Sean Connery. Exactly, yeah. But, um, yeah, as we were saying, the man that can... Uh, sneak into many a building, blow it up without anybody knowing um, Mr. James Bond in uh, a very popular game that is GoldenEye and uh, I suppose we'll get to that in just a moment Yes, we'll see you after the break so join us for some James Bond goodness on the Nintendo 64 It's been a long time but it's it's still good and I'll uh, see you after the break What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retroshock with crazy cool Chris Vent and awfully awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. That was the man himself, the intro for Mr. James Bond. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I won't. I won't. I won't 
Thanks. Why, why, why you All I have is a theme music for Smallville in my head. It says, somebody save me. <laughs> and that's oh. what I wish for right about now. Ah, you enjoy it, really. Okay, well, moving on <laughs> to uh, GoldenEye, which you could find on the Nintendo 64. Again, another rare game with us talking about Donkey Kong earlier on. And also, you'll find that on the Xbox Marketplace is another rare game. Um, which was Perfect Dark, which was the sequel to GoldenEye. Obviously, it didn't follow on from the films because there wasn't a Bond film called Perfect Dark. There wasn't any canon for it, but uh, we will start by obviously we have to mention the film. Yeah, the film was great. It was obviously it was Pierce Brosnan's first outing as James Bond. It was one of those films that I watched and didn't particularly like at first, Mm -hmm. but then I watched a couple more times and it it grew on me. Obviously, uh, Robbie Coltrane in it is fantastic, and Sean Bean as... uh, I can't remember his name. 006. Yeah, well, I can't... (laughs) You can call him 006. Yeah, I'm trying to remember his name, but I can't... um, But I thought he was outstanding in it as well. Um, But I just thought it was was a really, really good film. I really enjoyed um, watching it. Um, obviously, whenever you're, you've watched that, then you go to play the game. You try to see what the comparisons. Yeah, the comparisons, comparisons between them, as you do with the majority of every um, game movie tie-in. But yeah, I absolutely loved the Goldeneye movie because again, I was still at that kind of younger stage. It was one of my first experiences of James Bond. I'd seen some of the Connery stuff, so I had, but uh, it was my first more modern age mm-hmm. Bond movie that I'd watched. Uh, and again, like you said, it was Brosnan's first movie. And I could not, at that stage, just get out of my mind the whole bungee jump down the dam. Yeah. So, which again, you recreate exactly, in the game yeah. sort of thing. So yeah. that was like we were saying, the things you would pick out and want to um, compare and remember from the movie. So I would find a lot that you would jump back and forth. You would play a level and then... You know, at some stage, if you completed the game, maybe even go back and watch the movie through again. Mm-hmm. But um, the sort of, I remember how I came on to the game. I found the game. I initially, as GoldenEye came out towards the beginning of the '64, and at this stage, I still didn't have a '64. But I remember a friend at school had got one just a few months prior, and he'd got GoldenEye, and having seen the movie I was like oh I want to come over and play it and yeah. that sort of stuff so that was when I first came across uh, Goldeneye and I became addicted to it yeah I, I was working in the same place I was working whenever Pokemon came out and it was one of those games that it just sold out I mean it came to the point that I can actually get one of my best mates a copy I had to wait until somebody traded in uh, an Australian version, which was still PAL. Uh, I had to phone him, because this was before we had the mobile phone, uh-huh. etc. You know, they were still really much in their infancy. Um, I had to phone him to say, listen, I have one here, do you want it? And he said yes, and he came down and he got it. But it was every N64 game that likes that, not great enough time. They were huge, huge sellers, and games that really did didn't disappoint mm-hmm. um, the Bond game was just fantastic as you say like doing things like uh, we'll touch on memorable bits later on but like the bungee jump thing was was really cool and you know going through it once you've done that then you're like going through on the air vent to drop down the toilets and things like that which is which was pretty cool 
but uh, it's kind of obviously quickly mentioned the whole idea of comparing them but how the game stayed so close to the actual movie itself is a key part which I thought helped this game become so good because at the beginning you actually play a level before you, you even see the opening of the movie exactly with yeah. the bungee jump yeah. you play um, you're walking about you're having to get through the level all that sort of stuff to actually get key card access to the dam in the first place yeah. I mean there is another level where I think your main objective is to try and meet Robbie Coltrane mm-hmm. um, but that level was just horrendous there were so many twists and turns you didn't know what way you were going so you had to get like landmarks of you know where you'd been but there was bits in it like I remember there was one bit that really irritated me was whenever you had his watch and his yes. watch had um, you had to take the, the, the floor panel off but you only had a certain amount of time to do it. You had yes, that's the, the laser. Yeah, you had to hit the four corners of it, but you had to do it in such a way that that re- it was such a fun part, <laughs> but it was so annoying. And there was one other part that really irritated me, and that was whenever Natalia, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, whenever she was downstairs on the computer, you had to protect her. Yeah. So you had to stand back to back, and you had to watch for anyone coming in, and you had to shoot them, and you had to get rid of them. But that there was just... I remember so many times I just wanted to turn... There was a point where I actually turned around and just shot her because she was just really irritating me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as I say, like the laser thing with the uh, floor panel, I just thought that was um, brilliant. And then the uh, setting the mines, or setting the, the mines on the, the big um, cylinder things, like they do in the movie, and then Bond says, you know, Alec, there's a draft, and then... Uh, General Aramov has uh, 006 and has a gun pointed at his head, you know, just things that, like that. that. That twist was pretty darn yeah, good. Yeah, just things like that really made it, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's like you say, it's the twists and turns in it, but is that the whole sticking to the storyline thing I loved, it was, again, towards the beginning, the whole getting to the plane, but for me at that stage it was a case of stuff getting to the plane, get the tank round the corner, <laughs> sort of thing just running around the runway on the tank um, but I think it was the thing that made this game stand out more than others apart from obviously the storyline being so accurate um, was the multiplayer oh yeah yeah. I remember so many nights going around him, uh, again the guy who b- bought the game going around there and playing four player multi- uh, four player and just uh, I I know to this day it was always facility that we always did. Yeah. Uh, nobody was allowed to be odd job because odd job was smaller than the rest of you. <laughs> you weren't allowed to use the golden guns because that was one shot and you were one killed. And Everyone yeah, yeah. knew where the. To this day, I still remember where the body armor is. Uh-huh. If you were to put that on, and say where's the body armor, I could walk you straight to it uh-huh. because I played that level so many times. But <laughs> it was such fun to do and. Um, for me, it was probably probably the first time, you know, like um, before the likes to say the Call of Duty and all that stuff. It was the first like um, shoot, first first person shooter that I played multiplayer. Yeah, because you could nearly say that it was the sort of inspiration that you see with the likes of games of Call of Duty now. The whole how multiplayer was such a big part of it, mm-hmm. and again, like I was saying about, it, I played it with a friend when he had it before I had a sixty four. It was the always going around, meeting him, playing it again, facility. Because mm-hmm. I don't know what it was about that level. It was you just loved it. It was yeah. great fun. Um, 
And like you said about the body armor, I always knew where the golden gun was because I was cruel and would do that. Yeah, that doesn't really surprise me though that you go after the golden gun. I, um, I, you know, like chances are, if it was a multiplayer or not a multiplayer but a cooperative thing, you would have shot your co cooperative player in the back with the golden gun and went, <laughs> I win. <laughs> a wee bit like our experiences with Resident Evil. Yes. Mm-hmm. Me shooting you in the back with my shotgun. Yep. But, uh, good crack anyway, so it is. Um, the one thing we mentioned Call of Duty there and how it kind of would have been a forerunner for Call of Duty. We should ask, would if this was released today, would it be considered a good shooter? It's hard to say because it, it is a, it is a totally different style to what we expect from games nowadays. Yeah, but it's still a case of does it have the formula? I don't. I honestly don't know if it would because you expect so much from games now. I'm not saying that back in the N64 games you were kind of you didn't know what to expect, but it was one of those ones that really just caught you by surprise. And you were like, whoa, this is really good. And then, obviously, they brought out GoldenEye and inverted commas on the Xbox. And mm. it was absolute guff. Yeah, because that, that's the thing I've kind of seen with most James Bond games after this. Bond, James Bond. <laughs> most James Just Bond games after this have been Much. a big letdown. Yeah. Because they, yeah. released, they released another GoldenEye on the PlayStation 2. And they like, released a GoldenEye on the DS. Yeah, there was like... Uh, uh, I can't remember some of them. Double Agent Under Fire yeah. was one of them, which wasn't bad. And then there was one uh, that had Shannon Elizabeth. Yes. In it as well. I can't remember the And then there was, it. what is it, the Beddingfield sister was in From Russia with Love. Oh, that's right, yeah. But it, was, it was meant to be one of the better ones in recent history, but they all just kind of since this has went really badly downhill. Yeah, because our boss, he bought um, Quantum of Solace in the PS3 and completed it in an mock. afternoon. I remember playing that and just thinking this is really cool. Well, I, I still remember the Sunday in work where he was off the Sunday and he came in a couple of hours into our shift and was trading it in. <laughs> it was just like, it's done, get rid of it. It's yeah. just like, oh dear, that didn't go down well. But that's that's kind of considered the typical thing with movie tie-in games yeah, nowadays. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's unfortunate. Especially for a game like James Bond because GoldenEye had set the standards so high. Yeah. This is quite funny now, our next wee point. Uh, having talked about movie tie-ins being so rubbish when it comes to games nowadays, would you consider this the best game in terms of a movie tie-in? Well, y- yeah, because... You have the likes of, say, the only other one that I can think of, and people laugh at me whenever I say this, the only other one that I can think of that would be... Uh, two that would be very good were um, Super Star Wars and Super Nintendo and Aladdin on the Mega Drive. Fair enough. <laughs> Ghostbusters, though, was a good game yeah. as well. But you, but you love Star Wars because you're the big Star Wars fan? Yeah. Well, I just love that game on the Super Nintendo. I remember getting there for like 60 quid. Mm-hmm. Imported a down in Stuart Miller's. 60 and imported? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brave man. Brave man, but it was worth it. It was worth it. Yeah, it wasn't my money at that time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would have to agree that it would be up there when it comes to movie tying games because it's hard to make a movie tie-in game because everybody expects so much having seen the movie. Mm-hmm. You ha- 
you know, the people have already been surprised by the movie, they know the basic storyline. Yeah. And the thing I think that goes wrong with movie tank games nowadays is that uh, they know people have seen the movie and they realise they have to do something a bit different and then it just comes out, you know, completely different. It may be titled the same as the movie, but it has no feel of the original but it's, movie. But it's the, kind of the same with, like, say, they br- bring out Resident Evil and then they bring out a movie to do with that game. Don't, but get, me, not, don't get me started. <laughs> but then it's not based on that, Yeah. you know, because you don't really have the Chris Redfield, etc., etc. Um, same with, say, Super Mario Brothers, which was just totally pants movie, but an awesome game. Mm-hmm. So you do have the polar opposite of, um, you know, like, say, um, you do have the polar opposite of they bring out a movie and then they make a game of it out of it, but then they bring out a game, say, like Mortal Kombat, and then they make a movie out of it. Yeah. And Mortal Kombat would be the best, like, game. Game movie, game movie yeah. Yeah, that I could think of. <laughs> Street Fighter was a major letdown in that department. Yeah, a Street Fighter, the um, anime version, mm-hmm. was the like manga version, was very, very good, but the Jean Claude Van Damme cluster muck that was. Very true, very true. Um, well, we've already covered, we've mentioned uh, the Quantum Assault game, the PS2 game, so we'll jump to the big question and final question when it comes to Goldeneye. Is it the best N64 game? No. It's up there. It has to be in, say, the top five. Yeah. But for me, there is still just... It's still one or two games, more original games, in fact, of obviously with Nintendo characters, you know, Mario or Donkey Kong, yeah. that would come out above that. But for something that has never really... You know, you wouldn't consider them a video game character. Yes. For that, they do very well. We'll tell you what we'll do, right? Because obviously we think it's one of the best games on the N64. Mm-hmm. What we'll do is on the Pop Culture Network, uh, on the forums, whenever this airs, what we'll do is we'll do a, like a little section to do with the best five N64 games of all time. That'd be good. And see where this polls. Um, obviously we'll try and do it, you know, like so we actually have polls and then, you know, like... Um, We'll get people to vote and see where it comes, and then we'll, you know, like obviously Bond will have some stiff competition from the likes of Mario and, as you say, Donkey Kong and Mario Kart, Yoshi's Island, racing. Diddy Kong Racing, um, Shadows of the Empire, you know, that kind of thing. So there'll be, there'll be plenty to choose from. Yeah, be, obviously we're not going to be put in every N64 game there. Pilot but wins. <laughs> but we'll put like some there and then obviously the people could choose what ones they like and uh, see where Bond actually comes that's something we're hoping to do is make it more interactive in the Pop Culture Network because you can only find this podcast in the Pop Culture Network Ooh, go PCN yeah <laughs> um, we'll do it that you go to the forums and um, we'll talk about something um, whenever we're wrapping up of something that we're possibly looking at, into doing anyway yep absolutely but uh, that's pretty much that's Mr. Bond done with. And, a bit uh, like his current film, really. Yeah, well, pretty <laughs> much done with the current film, considering uh, MGM have put it on permanent hold for the meantime. I have no money. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to have a pun there. Very well <laughs> spotted there, Chris. But uh, we'll move on now and round up the show uh, and uh, let you all know what we have uh, really kind of planned for the future. Yep. So we will... Um, our next show, we are—we've um, kind of had a bit of a discussion for Operation Retro Shock. Big wigs at the Pop Culture Network. 
we've had a roundtable discussion as such, and uh, we're t- we've decided to kind of take the show in a wee bit of a you know different direction. We are going to because obviously with Christmas all's background with our job, we work in a game store. It's a very good piece of background for us. We know our stuff really when it comes to them. We're going to concentrate the show being more more of the time now on games. Yeah. Games, um, well, we're talking to uh, Killen and Pixel Dan. Pixel Dan! Yeah, exactly. Hi! <laughs> uh, and uh, basically... I'm going to get ripped for that. <laughs> yeah, you probably will. But uh, hey, I didn't say anything about Spencer Powers whatsoever. Um, but uh, we were talking and just basically um, the guys over there said that the gaming part is something that's lacking in the pop culture network. So hopefully Alan and myself can put our... Uh, irons in the fire and come up with ideas so as I was saying earlier on what we're hoping to do is um, every month it'll still be the same format we'll still cover four things unless we really go overboard or we have a special guest on you know like so if you want to participate if you have a game you want to talk about uh, send us an email uh, even at Ventoman at Pop Culture Network or Alan Price at Pop Culture Network or just leave you a uh Skype Skype voicemail voicemail, on Vento 316 Um, just give us a a brief synopsis of the game why you want to cover it what you would bring to it etc but hopefully what we're going to do is on the forums have say a list of three games and the top two games from there uh, we will actually discuss and two of them will actually be picked by us so we could have say for say for July's we could have say Castlevania um, Toe Jam and Earl and Super Ghouls and Ghosts and then the top two out of that we would actually discuss so that way it um, involves you the viewers uh, but also keeps us on our toes as the saying goes when it comes to Big Brother instead of who goes instead of what game is in you decide Yeah, okay, it was a bit corny was it but yeah it was it's, really corny it's a case of we were saying we want more participation from everybody, you know. So uh, it'll, be are, ni- it'll be nice to get it. We are also looking to do uh, maybe even do three past games and a current game. Yeah, we so are. We are looking into the, doing a few more new games. So yeah. So what we'll do maybe is you know um, whenever we're, we're rounding up, say not maybe not this episode, but maybe next episode, you know, we'll discuss something that's um, either coming out or a game that we've played recently that's not been out long, say like. Assassin's Creed 2 or Splinter Cell or something along those lines um, but as I say you know like obviously as myself have said you know like we want people to participate we want people to come on the show well, we are looking we are in talks as well with um, doing a pop culture network uh, crossover so um, hopefully we'll have the likes of Pixel Dan and a, s- a certain Mr. Halleck who I think would probably want to talk about the Turtles games but hey, that's all. But that's, that's something that's really. something we've been wanting to do for a while in the show anyway. Was bring turtles in? Yes, exactly, never, exactly. Unfortunately, we've never had the chance to get round to it as yet. But yeah. that would—he's a busy man with all his videos and stuff that he's doing. Very busy man. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we've explained our plans enough, and uh, we'll get the show rounded up by letting you know what is going to be some of the main topics for our next show. We are going to uh, do a wee bit there. A few more modern games, not the latest sort of style, but uh, a bit more recent than N64 and the like. We will still do a wee bit of older, 
but our first game we're going to try and uh, look at next show will be a favourite of Chris's Animal Crossing Yay. on the GameCube. Uh, then we will have uh, the fantastic Super Mario 3 on the NES. That's an awesome game. Awesome, but sad. Let them, let them wait, let them wait. That game sucks, we should not be talking about it. Oh, it's not getting covered. <laughs> um, we'll also be doing um, Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. Yeah, it's just we haven't covered a Dreamcast game at all, so I thought um, it's, that it's, was a good one. And it's something uh-huh. that you fondly remember. If it's I, f- I fondly remember it, I fondly remember it. But okay. uh, I'll leave an Alan Price story for the next episode oh, on that. Great. I know, oh, Chris is getting sleepy already. Um, and then uh, another <laughs> another favourite of mine um, on the PlayStation 1, it feels an age ago for that now, um, the original Gran Turismo, considering there's still the whole hullapalooza over when the hell is Gran Turismo 5 coming out? <laughs> I, I know whenever it's coming out, 11th of never. 11th of never? Yeah. Don't make me cry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what we're planning to do in the next show. Uh, so I think uh, we will bid our adieu by pimping uh, Mr. Matt Howlett for our intro music. Yes, I also want to say while I'm here that he did an awesome job of giving me my He-Man yes. background music for my videos. I heard that, that's um, very good. Yeah, it's very good, so thank you very much, Matt. Um, obviously, I want to thank all the guys at the Pop Culture Network for their continued support, obviously, giving us ideas of steering it into one area rather than doing, you know, like, the way we've been doing a mishmash um, it kind of didn't feel it was working to the best of our abilities so hopefully having just retro games something unique especially on the pop culture network uh, we could still you know not we're not say, we're not we're not saying we're never going to do another movie or another TV oh yeah, show totally, or anything like totally. that totally especially if it ties in with the game we will certainly do that um but um yeah it's just something that we've we've been thinking about doing so um might as well say or farewell. Yeah, might as well say bye. It's easier to say <laughs> than farewells. Um, but um, before we do that, I just want to say a final thing. Everybody, get in contact. We want your input. This is going to make this show even better. Yes, exactly. Subscribe via iTunes or head over to Operation Retro Shocks uh, button on the Pop Culture Network. There you can find each and every episode every month. Also, join the Facebook page. Um, join the PCN forums. Yeah, exactly. If you join the PCN forums or if you join the Pop Culture Network on Facebook, no matter what f- uh, way you're you're on Facebook or you're on the forums, it'll be glaring you in the face and uh, you can't really miss it. Uh, especially with Alan's nice job of the logo, which is his banner. So all the all the logos are mine. Exactly. So <laughs> feel free to, as Alan said, feel free to contact us and. Uh, as I say, we'll welcome any ideas or any contributions or anything. If you want to even give us, even send us an email or an MP3 file or voicemail of a gaming memory that you have. Uh, it'd be nice to hear what everyone's favourite game is. And, and get you know, yourself on the show. A fond memory, yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, thank you very much for listening. I've been Alan Price. I've always been Chris Fent. It rarely changes. Rarely changes. Okie dokie. And with that, goodbye everyone. So long.